those laces, tuck in that jersey, and put on that headband because it is time for the Locker Room Talk Podcast with your host, George Hathaway and Max Adams. Hello and welcome to the Locker Room Talk Podcast. I'm George Hathaway and this is our first episode and I'm joined here with Max Adams. Max, introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Max Adams, a sports media student at Ithaca College, uh, former Waterford and St. Bernard's alum in Connecticut, uh, big Lakers fan, and I'm happy to jump into uh, the NBA. Uh, this is a topic that I don't get to cover a lot of, on my radio show because it's more football and like major news headlines. Uh, you can catch I Rest My Take on BIC Radio. You can also uh, catch my platform, cafeteriacommentary.com at the URL I just named. And yeah, those are all my tags. To- Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad we're kind of doing this. I mean, you and I both big basketball guys. Like you're a Lakers fan. I'm a Pelicans fan. It kind of kind of interesting because Lakers and Pelicans had that trade a few years ago with Anthony Davis. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that it might have worked out for the Pelicans a little bit, but I think a hand in hand it helped the Lakers too, because without Davis, they wouldn't have a championship. Yeah, true story. I think it's funny. A lot of the times uh, since I've gotten to school, I've talked to a lot of uh, my friends that are from like New Jersey, New York. Boston area and Connecticut always seems to have like the wild card of teams because we're kind of free agents since we don't have a lot of a lot of like local teams so I'd uh, like uh, I'm I'm a Lakers 49ers Yankee fan I have friends that are Packers uh, Packers Boston and uh, and like follow LeBron and then like obviously you're a Pelicans fan and a Pats fan so it kind of it's funny how it ranges from all over from when when you're from Connecticut. Yeah, I think it's weird, though, that one friend we both have that's a Packers fan and likes Boston sports doesn't really go go too well together at all. No, and that's what everybody tells them. But, you know, like I said, we're we're free agents as far as fan bases are concerned. So what can you do? Certainly. And, you know, going off the first few days of uh, NBA action, I'm excited. Basketball's back. I, I missed it. And it feels like, you know, it was just a little too long that basketball has kind of been away. But Lakers mm-hmm. lost to the Warriors. Max, you're like. But I'm not I'm not very concerned. This is we have three returning players from last year's team. So we have to have the right the right system, uh, the right chemistry put in place. And I think that will come with more games played together. Um, my my really only worry that I have after this game is how Frank Vogel is managing the rotations. Um, I think he overthinks them. And I think that's been his biggest flaw as the Lakers coach the last three years is that he overthinks the minutes. Why is Avery Bradley taking make or break shots down the stretch uh, in the fourth quarter when he didn't play the entire first half? Why is DeAndre Jordan starting at the five with AD at the four if you're going to play AD a majority of the time at the five anyways? Like why, why does Kent Bazemore start over someone like Malik Monk? I think if he can find a rotation that is simple, that works. I, I know we're really deep and I know we have a lot of new additions, but I think if he has, if he simplifies the rotations and keeps AD at the four, which he thrives the most in and implements mellow in and Russ with that second unit a little more, I think that we're going to be just fine. I think the championship implications are still there. And I don't think that leaves after opening night. Hey, listen to me though, looking, I was watching this Lakers game and I just feel like they're all kind of 
learning how to mesh with each other. A lot of different personalities on that team. I mean, you have LeBron James, who's arguably one of the greatest players of all time. Westbrook, whose personality is really out there. He really likes to be the center of a team. You kind of saw that when you know, he was with the Thunder and then with also with um, the Rockets as well, a little bit here and there. But then I think in the Wizards, but I think with the Lakers, Westbrook, though, he might be the biggest problem on the team right now. You're looking at it, didn't really play too well. I mean, I know it's a first game and everybody's going to make assumptions for the first game. But mm-hmm. to me, is that a lot of times Russell Westbrook, as great as a point guard he is, I think he's inconsistent at times and he just needs to find that stride that where he can really play at that high level. Right. And this is the meme that we've been seeing for the better part of the last or since he's won his MVP is he has had times at this point of the year where he has looked awful like and the the murmurs start coming out that he's overrated that he's washed mm-hmm. that he's too much of a personality for everybody to handle this that, and the other thing and the, the the critics just come from every direction but then once we get to december towards the latter half and in going into playoffs we're back talking about russell westbrook being a top five point guard of all time being a top 10 player in this being this 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 energetic monster on the court that nobody can contain and that can really control a game any way he wants to so really he's just got to I think the last three years especially he's had to adjust to a lot of new surroundings uh, whether it was a new team or a new roster and now he's got to try he's got to try to find his role and I think he'll find that rather quickly I think LeBron and AD have a good enough handle to to tell him hey Mm -hmm. like you can be doing this and we'll be doing this and you'll will be just fine and looking at the other team, like the, the Golden State Warriors, I thought things were looking good for them. That this is a team that has battled with injuries with Curry and Clay, and now they're kind of coming back. Jordan Poole played really well. And I think he's somebody who can be like kind of that third guy that they can really rely on. Draymond Green as well. I think those four are like really what really encompasses that team. Uh, and I think that Jordan Poole, if he can continue to play really well, you might see him up there for most improved player of the year. He's a great guy. Um, a really good shooter too, but he kind of made some silly mistakes. So in that game, I remember he had a fast break and then he looked at the elbow and he just kind of stepped back a little bit and just shot a three a transition. That That's mm-hmm. like basketball one-on-one. You do not do that unless you're Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. I mean, right. you, you cannot shoot a three in transition like that, especially if you had an open lane, it was just a one-on-one matchup. And that should be nine times out of 10, you are driving to the basket. So I think it's those things he's going to learn from Steve Kerr, Steph Curry about you know you don't really supposed to do those things uh, but yet again i think that steph curry when healthy probably one of the best players in the league oh for sure uh he's always going to be in the mvp conversation until he starts to dwindle away in age and ever since the post kd era we've been kind of waiting and we kind of saw glimpses of it um at the end of last year where he just took over games and with his shooting with his ball handling he is going to be the center of attention for that team post KD era and with no clay um but where the Warriors kind of fall off is the complimentary players which they kind of stepped up in the Lakers game you saw Bielicha kind of be cause havoc in the paint and outside be that's going to be the biggest thing for the Warriors down the stretch of the season I think they they talked about this during the the broadcast that they have mm-hmm. actually brought in a great coaching staff as well uh, with Steve Kerr, they brought in Kenny Atkinson, Mike Brown is back. Um, and there's a couple other heads in there too, that is going to, that are going to make an impact for these young guys like James, James Wiseman, like Jordan Poole. And uh, we'll really get the rotation players going and to make their role a little more amplified going down the season. 
Yeah, definitely a contender. I mean, I, I saw one of these posts on Twitter. It was like one of the rankings of who's going to be in the playoffs. And I think the Warriors were on the outside looking in. I mean, if they can kind of play really well, um, kind of like what they're doing in uh, 2015, when they had that just era of great basketball in 2015, 2016, really 2017, 18 as well, that they were really kind of just on top of the league. If they can keep playing like that, you can see that. But then I saw the same post as well as Lakers were down like a, like very low. I think it was 11th in the standings of projections of what they thought it was going to be. I thought Lakers may have been a little too low, but I can mm-hmm. see why they were first round exit last year. And you know, kind of going forward is that teams are really kind of building around the Lakers that they're really just trying to compete with them. Uh, Western Conference, definitely one of the toughest conferences in the NBA, um, in my opinion. I mean, Eastern Conference is really getting up there. But if you want to transition over to the East uh, a little bit is Bucks and Nets. They got their rings. Giannis has some bling. I thought those rings were pretty nice. Uh, oh, they kind of they turn into a uh, necklace and everything qr code on them i mean that's kind of really like 21st century kind of rings but i thought they were kind mm-hmm. of fire especially when they turned into the necklace i thought that was a really cool addition never seen that before with like any sports in their you know the rings that they get you typical rings but now we got necklaces too yeah every year we like whether it's the super bowl the nba finals the, the world series the the rings just keep getting more bedazzled kept, kept yeah. putting a little more a little more gems on them a little make them pop a little more and i love the addition of the chain and so like every time that i see a ring in like the last three years it's just like wow like those look different than anything else that i've seen before and then they keep one-upping themselves i think it's absolutely amazing it's like all like diamonds and like white gold and then you have like the emerald with the bucks logo it just like makes it all pop you know majority of the mm-hmm. rings you see especially in the nba is they're gold like a lot of teams do gold rings and this kind of silver really pops and stands out from the rest. I, mean, I don't know if they can get another one though. I don't, I mean, they're probably going to be in the contention, but another team though, the Nets, they, they play the Nets. I mean, they struggled a little bit. Is that due to Kyrie Irving? See the, this game, this game raised a lot of eyebrows for me for a couple of reasons. So I said after after the NBA Finals last year that Giannis was the proclaimed best player in the world. Now, I mean, LeBron has been held that title for the better part of the last decade, right? Mm-hmm. And so the guy that it would make sense that the guy that would replace him was a two-time MVP, former Defensive Player of the Year, dropped fifty points in the finals, and came back to win two series on the way to a finals that he was trailing two zero in. It would make sense that that guy would take it over rather than right. somebody that's two years removed from an Achilles injury that just suffered a second round exit that has never really won without the best assembled super team in NBA history. It would make sense that he would take that title from Kevin Durant. And I don't want to take away from Kevin Durant's greatness and what have you, but I I think that that's, that's not really debatable after they run them off the court on opening night by 23 points and beating them in the playoffs. I don't think you could debate that anymore. And so when the nets were first assembled, when they made that James Harden trade, I said, if I was, playing a game of buying or buying or selling. If I was on an ESPN show, I'd be selling the nets. There's too many personalities. There's too many people that are ball dominant and they don't really have a system with Steve Nash who has never been a head coach in his career. So to expect that to work down the stretch of the season or right away is completely out of the realm. So I, I don't think that has anything to do with Kyrie. Although obviously I think that, that game is a little closer with Kyrie there. Mm-hmm. 
But I think either way, you have the headaches in James Harden and Kyrie, who if they're unhappy, the rest of the team is unhappy. The rest of the team is discombobulated. And they it shows in their play. I mean, they like I said, they got ran off the court by 23 points in a team that they're supposed to compete with in the East. Yeah, and to me, Giannis right now, I would always say is Kevin Durant's the best player in the NBA at this moment. I mean, you're right. LeBron had his reign, and he had to pass the torch off. Kevin Durant was really well, but Giannis at 26 years old has two MVPs, most improved player, NBA Finals, MVP Finals. He has all these accolades with him at the age of 26. Max, that's a few years older than us, and he's doing all these great things that some players are doing over a five-year span while he's doing it, you know, in a little bit longer time. But I think that the fact that he stayed with Milwaukee and built the team around him just adds so much more value to his stock of him being a top 30 player when he retires, top 20 player. And I think Giannis right now, the most dominant player in the world. You just look at it. He encompasses everything. He just, he added a jump shot right now. Right. If he can consistently hit jump shots outside of the paint, you know, 15 feet away, if he can even extend that to a three-point shot, there's, he's unstoppable. It's like a 2K player. That's how dominant he's going to be. And it's just like the game is just going to evolve around Giannis now. And it slowly has been where you're seeing big men controlling the league. I think up until maybe three, four years ago, it was a point guard run league um, for a few years with Steph Curry shooting all these threes. Everybody thought it was a three-point game was make or break. Now Giannis, you have guys like Giannis Jokic, even Zion, who are really dominating the post. Um, I guess you can put a ban on a bio in that conversation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, indeed, you have all these guys who are big men who are controlling the game now, and it's kind of coming back to that 90s era of basketball where it's just predominantly run on the inside instead of relying on the three-point shot. And that's why Giannis, I think, is really so dominant is because of how he's changing the game of basketball. Yeah, he's he's setting the game back to, like you said, like the 90s. He's dominating in the paint. And now if he adds the jump shot, the, the league is in for it. The league is really in for I, – I don't want to say LeBron 2.0, where if he adds a consistent jump shot, and he's done already what he's done in the league, he's, he's going to be on that top 75 list – coming going down the stretch if he's not on it already i'm not as familiar with it as you are i think he but, is actually on that list yeah as he should be and mm-hmm. so that that spells bad news for the league and even in this game this is a game where kevin durant dropped 32 and 11 and he still was managing to push the team up the floor he dropped 32 points himself and he really gets guys like pat Connaughton going he opens up looks for him where he dropped 20 points in that game and it's just like role players that you don't think he would have as much of an effect on it. He, he brings to that next level, and that's why he brought the Bucks to a title last year mm-hmm. and why he's brought the Bucks back from the perennial dead when he was in the league. That's why he was a lottery pick was because the Bucks were one of the worst teams in the league, and he's brought them up from nothing. So that, that speaks to the volume player that Giannis is and how good the Bucks can be if he gets that jump shot going, if he keeps this pace up. The Bucks are going to be unstoppable in the East if that's the case. Certainly. And with the Nets, I mean, the whole situation about Kyrie, you mentioned it with the personalities. James Harden, he has a personality as well. I mean, he just sat out and Rockets practices, didn't want to participate in anything until he got what he wanted. That's not how the NBA works. That's not even how life works. Really, mm-hmm. You're not going to go to a job and complain, and not show up and not do your job and then expect to get what you want because you're going to get fired. So I think with Kyrie Irving, his situation, what he's doing, I think everything about that. 
is like respect for what he's doing. That's awesome. Like you do you Kyrie, but then you, you're, you're bringing to another level is just where you're affecting others around you. And mm-hmm. that's really where you should be drawing a line in a situation like that. It's similar with Ben Simmons as well, what he's doing. And we're going to be going into that soon. Is it? But I think affecting the team, everybody's unhappy right now with Kyrie Irving because, you know, you, they're a three-headed figure, those guys, mm-hmm. Harden, Durant, and Irving, is that they have to move as one unit. They can't be doing their own separate thing. If they're moving as one, then leaks over because mm-hmm. if they're really all in sync, then they're dominating. But if they're just going one, if it's KD dominating and then James Harden is just complaining and not doing anything, then they're not going to have the success like we saw against the Bucs where KD had 32 and 11, like you mentioned. But it can't be just him. It has to be everybody else around him as well. And if that happens, and the Nets are going to be a force, I believe, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, for sure. And this is, I mean, Kyrie's kind of been that, that missing piece to that three-headed monster that was supposed to shut down the league. And I didn't think it was going to work just because of how similar him and James Harden's games are. And you saw, you've seen him with James Harden so far that when he gets the ball, he has tough shooting nights sometimes with this team and he can't really do what he wants or what he's accustomed to or that he got accustomed to in Houston for so many years. But me personally, I love what the Nets have done putting their foot down with Mm -hmm. Kyrie. Um, And it's starting to make me lean to the side of Kyrie may not play another game on the Nets. Um, I'm not going to say that he won't essentially, but, but I mean, it seems to be more in that direction now than it has at any other point. And even with him taking like a month absence Mm -hmm. for not really a known reason last year, they were still lenient with him. And now they're kind of like, all right, I mean, we we're trying to win a championship here. And so whether he gets cut, traded or retires, I have a very hard time believing with everything that Kyrie has put Brooklyn through to this point since arriving to that franchise that they continue this patience. I don't understand what his whole Instagram live was about talking about. Don't believe this, believe that. And yet he hasn't given us any reason to, to put those rumors to bed. So uh, I need, I need him to stop with his conspiracy theories. And I think the Brooklyn Nets need to tell him to go stop his conspiracy theories as well and go get the shot. Or if not, you're going to find out how sick of uh, Kyrie they really are. Yeah. And, Basketball's a business. The Nets are going to do what's best for them and what's best for the franchise, what's best for the players and the fans, because it really matters about the fans, because that's what's going to bring in the ticket sales. That's what's going to give you the money, revenue, everything. Of course, Kyrie's going to be a reason why, because every, you know, if Kyrie's in the media, it's probably most likely going to be bad because he just doesn't know what he's saying. I mean, I listened to that Instagram live for at least good 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, I think I lost brain cells listening to Kyrie Irving talk because what he was saying made absolutely no sense. Um, and he was just kind of spewing these things, but never really backing it up. This kid went to Duke, first off, a very prestigious school. And listen, I know student athletes, we, we all know that they're most likely aren't going to be in the classroom learning half the time. They're focusing more on basketball because that's what's going to get them, you know, <laughs> into the NBA and everything like that. And Kyrie was hurt for half the Duke season anyways. But I mean, he went to a prestigious school and he's kind of making them look a little bit silly at this point. Because you're just kind right. of talking nonsense at this point. Yeah, I mean, the expression is Vitz Young didn't go to Texas for an economics degree. He went there to play football. And so Kyrie exactly. Irving went to go play basketball and played, what, 10 games and still wants to paint a picture like he's some advanced intellectual that knows something that we don't. 
uh, right. between flat earth comments, between like everything that went on uh, in the summer of 2020, between what went on in his absence uh, last January. I mean, I clearly he's in his own world. And this this vaccine stance seems to to prove that point further. Yeah. And listen, like all like the, you know, Kyrie aside and everything like that, if we're strictly talking about his game of basketball, he's probably one of the best point guards in the NBA. If we're strictly talking his basketball skills, just forget about outside. If you just did not hear anything that Kyrie was saying, you just strictly watched this game, then you would think he's probably one of the best players ever. And the top 75 for like the NBA for the 75th season wasn't going to have, I don't think they're going to have him on his list. Uh, Honestly, he's a top, I mean, I think it was Andre Iguodala who tweeted out saying that Kyrie Irving's a top 20 point guard of all time. Yep. I mean, if in retrospect, he probably is. You could even push him up to top 10, um, just strictly talking about his game. I, I, I'm a big Kyrie fan. I, I really love his game. Listen, outside of that, I do not associate with him, but I love his game of basketball. Probably one of the best dribblers since Allen Iverson that we've seen. Uh, I think he has a great layup package. He can really take you off the dribble and take you to a lane one-on-one. It's game over. It's Kyrie's game. But I think he should be on that list because he certainly is one of the top seven, five players in the NBA of all time. See, I am on the side of he could have been. Um, <laughs> but post-Cavs era, I have failed to see the Kyrie that I saw uh, in game seven of the finals during that 2016 mm-hmm. season. I have failed to see that Kyrie again whether he's been hurt whether he doesn't want to be there whether he is kind of doing his own thing I mean we've seen glimpses of it here and there but to put it together for a full season that we haven't seen yet and I mean this was uh when he was on the Celtics the Celtics went to uh Eastern Conference Finals without him and the next year they got bounced in I believe the second round so I I find it hard to believe that he can be put in the top 10 conversation after his sixth or seventh year in the league he was kind of missing in action so I, I don't stand on that point. I have put him outside of my top five point guard rankings for, mm-hmm. I think, four of the last five years since being out of the Cavs just because of his, his inavailability. Um, so I, I don't side with you as far as that is concerned, but he, like, he could have been. We've right. seen his handles, his layout package is completely unheard of, and yet we haven't really seen that put for better use since the 2016 title. I totally understand. I think at this point, Kyrie's hurting himself by not playing. He, mm-hmm. he could be in that conversation, but now the conversation is more negative towards him. And I think he's just doing that to himself, which is wrong. I think any player, no matter what, would want to be in that conversation of, I was on a list of the top 20 point guards of all time. And Kyrie Irving might not be because of what he's doing. But I thought last year with his Nets, he played one of the best seasons he's had since that 2016 season. But then, like you mentioned earlier, he had that month off of where he just never showed up. Again, hurting himself. He had one of the best seasons of his career. And he just kind of ruined it by just not showing up. So Kyrie just needs to really get his act together, figure stuff out. And once he does and he starts performing better, then conversations will differ about him being one of the best point guards in the NBA. Right. Kevin Durant can only defend him and save him for so long. Yeah, and I think players are just tired of defending him because they're like, you know what, we just don't want to talk about it at this point. We have basketball to play, and that's just what it is. And I think, you know, going to another kind of dramatic point guard in a way, Ben Simmons. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to do about this guy anymore either. I'm, I'm not a big Ben Simmons fan anyways. I think he's 
a little overrated at this point, one rookie of the year and then fell off. And that was it. A little? Very, I guess, in a way. Other than that, he's a good defensive guard. Good, not great. Other than that, he has nothing else to his game. And that's why uh, I don't think he deserves uh, that $8 million he's complaining about. He never deserved that contract. And I, I'm, I'm going to echo pretty much what I went into on my radio show a few weeks ago. Um, just because even though he's back, everything that I said still stands because back hasn't really meant back as no. he got worn out of practice just a day after he came back for not wanting to be there and making it very, very blatantly obvious. So Ben Simmons to the 76ers has been nothing but a headache and a liability. They have to worry about his free throws, his playoff performances, dating Kardashians, being healthy. And now this. I mean, the Sixers have gave him everything, and he has given them virtually nothing. He did not deserve that enormous contract by any stretch of the imagination, but they gave it to him. He did not deserve to be out there in the fourth quarter of a winner-take-home game. Gave that to him, too. Gave what is believed to be a top-five coach in the league in Doc Rivers, who has been a player's coach his entire career career and you saw the interview he doesn't even believe that he can he can win with him so uh and what if they got in return nine single single digit playoff performances and seven career playoff series four of which in their elimination series last year um and then missing the 17 point mark in playoff series 22 times yet he plays over 30 minutes a game so if i'm the sixers i would have had him kicking rocks months ago as soon as he reported that he didn't want to be there that he had he wanted nothing to do with the franchise this that and the other thing i would have told him bye i would have traded him for vanessa Hudgens' number i would have traded him at for a reservation at little italy i you know there's not a lot that he brings to the table other than the defensive presence and a big guard that can't shoot so i i for for better words he needs to go he certainly does i mean joel Embiid you know, who is the face of that franchise now said, I do not care about Ben Simmons. The guy that is giving you everything, Joel and B has been there. He's the start of the trust, the process. He's been mm-hmm. there thick and thin. He has not complained once. I mean, he might've a little bit here and there, but still he stayed. And he's an MVP candidate. One of the better centers in the NBA saying that I do not care about this guy. Drop him because it's going to make Embiid unhappy, going to make everybody else around him unhappy. And then, it is what it is. I mean, Pelicans fans at the game yesterday were in the Smoothie King Center chanting, where is Ben Simmons as MB was shooting free throws? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just going to cause everything else to happen and every fans are going to get in there. This is going to happen, I believe, in uh, Philadelphia when they play on Friday at home. Mm-hmm. I, this is it's going to be a whole thing. Uh, Jason Kelsey, uh, the center for the Eagles, said, hey, Ben, fix your free throws. Then we might want you back here. It's, it's now going deeper than basketball where the city of Philadelphia uh, hates Ben Simmons and he is on a wanted list. I mean, that dude cannot show his face into a bar if he really tried to. I think he showed his face in a strip club after practice. There's some reports are going on that he left practice, yeah. go to a strip club. Pulling at James Harden. They must yeah, be talking yeah, a little Harden, bit here yes. and there. I mean, come on, dude. Just get your act together. It's $8 million. That's not a lot. If you want to talk about money for point guards, Lonzo Ball wanted 80 million and did not get that from New Orleans. Now that, I mean, we can even go into that. I know you love Lonzo Ball, Max. That's one of your favorite players in the NBA probably right now. I mean, if you want to kind of jump into that as a guard, I personally, now you're going to hate me for this. I don't think New Orleans deserved to pay him that 80 million. I don't think so. I thought maybe he was a little bit overpaid 
I would give him at least a maximum of 60 million. But Chicago gave it to him, and Chicago has built a super, like not a super team, but a really star-struck team. And I think Lonzo Ball is a great guard. He has to fix a few things, I think, defensively, um, and maybe just even a little bit on his jumper too, because I think he struggled a little bit in New Orleans with his shot. I know they actually kind of fixed his jump shot a little bit instead of like that weird one we always used to kind of make fun of. They kind of adjusted a little bit to him shooting a little bit better, but still. I just don't think he was worth that $80 million for New Orleans. See, I mm, this one's tough because I think he needed a change of scenery anyhow. Mm. But um, the point guard situation in New Orleans was tricky because you had yes. Eric Bledsoe. That didn't work out. But, oh, he, but I then you had Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I understand why. But, um, but yeah, so he – but you have that duo with him and Zion that I think when Zion was on the floor worked really well for them. Um, so now they're kind of backpedaling to try to try to find somebody to fill his shoes. And they haven't re- they didn't really do so this offseason. But um, I think Chicago is a great place for Alonzo to be. I love the look of this new Bulls roster. They are deep, athletic, versatile. This is a team that expectations, though, are kind of scattered. They haven't been a playoff team in however many years. They have very little playoff experience, but have assembled, I'd say, a top five roster on paper in the East, but probably sitting at that five spot, if not the six. You could probably argue they're they're interchangeable five, six, seven. Um, I think this this is a place where Alonzo will have an opportunity to flourish. They have guys that will run with him when he wants to run. They have shooters who he can drive and kick to. His jump shot just keeps better, getting better and better. Uh, and later in the season, I'll let you know, uh, or later in the show, I'll let you know what that can possibly mean for him. All right, I mean, to me, I think, though, with the guard situation in New Orleans right now, it's, of course, you have a guard like Lonzo Ball, who borderline all-star when he's playing at his peak. I think that if he plays really well, he can be um, up there in the all-star. He might not make it, but I think he would get a good amount of votes, I think, for it. But I think, you know, they have guys like Devontae Graham, who's kind of stepped up, Trey Murphy the third. I really like, uh, who are really good shooters for the Pelicans and Kyra Lewis, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you know, some other great underrated guards in the NBA, but nobody's going to stand up to that level like Lonzo Ball. I think if we did see Zion more on the court last year, because my favorite part was the Zoe to Zion connection with Wobbs. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely amazing. Every single time, I think there was a game where they had four of them, and that was amazing. I was, like, blown away. I was like, this team is amazing. This team's legit. They got everything down pat. And then – Sion got hurt and, you know, the rest. And Lonzo Ball kind of struggled without a player like Zion with him. I think it's a situation where you need that point guard to, you know, center slash power forward kind of connection. And he has that in Chicago, which I think will really benefit him in his career. He's happy, looks happy. And, I mean, they, these two teams play each other coming up throughout the season, which will be kind of fun to watch how he plays against his former team because, you know, statistically, I think, Lonzo Ball has done pretty well when he played the Lakers for the first few times um, when he was in New Orleans. So I'm a little nervous to see if he's going to really outperform when he plays New Orleans, and which will be on Friday and I believe again in March. So I think that Lonzo Ball is a great guard. He was just wasn't really, um, I think, worth the money in New Orleans. But if Chicago has the money, then you just follow the money, really. And that's what Lonzo Ball did. Right. And I mean, we see players nowadays get $100 million contracts for being a decent role player just because 
they to the franchises either like what they see enough to to want to have a, a deeper team or they just you know they like what they see already and they don't want to put in the effort to trying to find a, a replacement which i mean in the age of the rebuild is very hard to do so yeah i think he did chase the money i do think that he deserved that contract to a point um but i do think he needed a change of scenery and i think this will prove to be the most beneficial option for him certainly and you mentioned players getting a hundred million dollars. If you want to, let's talk about the Celtics. Some players that definitely raking in the big cash, Jason Tatum, Jalen Browning. They lost a double overtime to the Knicks on Wednesday in their first game. I was a really amazing game to watch, but are you worried about Jason Tatum? Cause he did not play well. I don't think in that game. Well, I let me talk about the game first. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game was real. That was one of the best regular season games I've watched in the NBA years it was back and forth the environment was rocking spike lee was uh orchestrating the front row like like just like the old days where the knicks were actually something and i mean it was really just a wild game um from the buzzer beater to the back and forth in the first overtime to players just being dead on the court in the second overtime just trying to get the 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 ball when they shoot over their shoulders they were struggling to do that. They were struggling to get the ball at the court at certain points. And then to have D Rose hit the, uh, hit the dagger was just a little icing on the cake. I love watching D Rose flourish in, in those moments. But as for the Celtics, um, you said, does Jason, am I worried about Jason Tatum? No, no, I'm not worried about Jason Tatum. I'm worried about the rest of their roster more, more so than I am about Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is going to get his, we know what he is at this point in his career. We know that Jalen Brown is at this point um, after last season, after dropping 46 points in that double OT game. Right. But I am more worried about the Celtics as a contender because they, this is a team that I picked to go to the finals last year. I predicted at the beginning of the year that it was going to be a Celtics Lakers finals. And man, was I, man, was I, (laughs) I mean, I just, the Lakers went in the first round. The Celtics were six or seven seed. It was just abysmal. It was abysmal analysis by me. And I'm going to do better this year. I'm going to do better, I I promise. But um, now coming in with a new coach who is a first-time head coach, coming in with a new GM who's a first-time GM, there's a lot of question marks. And now they have to rely on guys such as Robert Williams, like an Aaron Neesmith, like Romeo Langford, like Peyton Pritchard, and even Grant Williams, who've managed to get his way in the starting lineup. And it's concerning for me just because those guys are considered the long shots. And just using last night as an example, these guys combined for 136 minutes of playing time, only registering 41 points of their team's 134 so, I mean, if you want those guys to play a big role on your team, if you want those guys to play alongside Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and want them to compete in the East, it's kind of a tall task. And I don't. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm more concerned about their their rotation and that their ability to have a third piece, because unless your your name is LeBron James or Anthony Davis, two guys can't really carry a franchise. And as good as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, I have a hard time believing that with those complimentary pieces, they can really be anything in, in the East, let alone the NBA. I totally agree with that, actually. That's a really good point, because 
you look at the MBA and how it's structured nowadays, three is a charm. And that's really what's going to put you above everybody else. And I think that's what kind of happened with Phoenix is they had Chris Paul and then Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton was there, but not really there. It really depends on the game. So you have like two, two and a half for the Suns. And that's kind of why they lost the NBA finals. I felt like the Bucks they had a more complete team when it came to that. You had Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Those were really like the big three for that team, in my opinion. That's kind of why they really won the NBA finals. Of course, they had Giannis, one of the best players in the world right now, too, which that would always help your case. But I think with the Phoenix Suns, I don't know if they can go back to the NBA finals again, in my opinion. I, I really don't think so. Yeah, and we we saw them we saw them lose by twelve to the Nuggets last night. Uh, Jokic put up 27-13, and Will Barton actually pitched in on twenty with uh, with twenty as well, and with still no Jamal Murray. Um, I'm kind of concerned for the Phoenix Suns for a couple of reasons. Um, some of them some of them having to do with last night. Um, Mikael Bridges was their leading scorer, and he had sixteen points. Um, and this is tough because they they have the team, they have the stars, they have the coaching, but the West is very loaded. The Clippers, Nuggets, Lakers, Jazz, and now the Warriors. Uh, we don't know what the Warriors look like with Clay Thompson post KD era, mm-hmm. and so who knows what that spells for the West. But the, we have all those guys competing, and from what I saw last night, I'm gonna say they can't go back at this moment in time. Can that change? Absolutely. But I think right now, though, the eight the eight in contract dilemma mm-hmm. is kind of a distraction because he is the first guy since Anthony Bennett to not get a, a rookie contract extension as a first round pick. And he certainly is deserving. So after his output of uh, last year's playoffs and how uh, really pivotal he was for that championship run. Um, I think that's a bit of a distraction and not to mention they're a bit of a target in the West now as the reigning conference champs. Um, once we get in the midst of the season, We'll we'll see that kind of dwindle away as more teams will start to stand out more and we'll kind of have a a good idea of what the playoff picture is going to look like. But as of right now, they're going to get everyone's best game. They're going to get everyone's like hardest competitors firing at all cylinders and everybody in the West is going to be hungry. The Lakers are going to come out and be hungry when Kawhi gets back. The Clippers are going to be hungry, as they always are. The Nuggets, once they get Jamal Murray back, are a legitimate title contender so them being the west them being as frazzled as they are as they are right now i don't see it right now definitely and i think this would be just a perfect time to talk about who we think is going to be in the nba finals uh, for me personally i'm gonna to have to go with the bucks i think they're gonna be back in again there's of course no stopping Giannis at this point in his career looks like i think that he's just gonna right through the Eastern Conference this year. He's going to probably go a few game sevens on the road to the NBA Finals, but I think that he's going to dominate and get the Bucs back again. Uh, And then in the West, I'm going to have to go with, uh, I think this team might be a little bit of an underdog, but I'm going to say the Warriors could be in there. Mm. That's that's just like, I'm going, that's kind of bold, but I think the Warriors, once they're healthy and we can kind of see them long-term, I think they could be in there. See, I don't hate the Warriors pick to make the finals per se, Mm -hmm. but with all the teams that I just named and them having a relatively young 
role-playing core and Draymond and Clay and Steph having to run a majority of the show, which obviously I know they can do, but we don't know what Clay looks like anymore. We don't know how they gel with the James Wiseman's and the Jordan pools. And I, I think they're, they're a year or two away. I, I wouldn't say that they'll be out for a very long time, but I don't think this year is the year. I do agree with you on the Bucks. I do think they'll be back in the East, although the Miami Heat might have something to say about that. I really like the landscape of their roster that they had this year and just two years removed from a, or not even um, because the finals was in the fall of 2020, a year and a half removed from a finals appearance of their own with the addition of Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker, Markeith Morris, and all the young guys coming back. I really like the way that that team looks. So I think if it's not the Bucks, I believe it will be ultimately the Heat. In the West is a little more tricky. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I would like to say, first and foremost, that I don't have any bias when I make my analysis. <laughs> I, I try not to factor that in that much, but I did ultimately put the Lakers there. Mm-hmm. Um, is that interchangeable? Absolutely. I think the Jazz are going to be a serious problem. I think the Nuggets are going to be a serious problem when Jamal Murray gets back, and those like those two teams could very easily take them out of the playoffs, as you saw the Suns did in the first round last year. However, going through one through twelve of each roster, I think the Lakers are more complete, and the only thing that'll end up holding them back in the long haul is how Frank Vogel manages those rotations. Um, I would not be surprised to see a mid-year coaching change, as we do have David Fisdale there now, as well as Lionel Hollins that has very successful head coaching experience. So if we need to make a change, I think we're, we're equipped to do so. Um, and I just, I like, I like where our roster is at. I think one through 10 has a playoff experience uh, or really quintessential talent to take us to the finals. Now who will win out of that matchup? That one, I don't have a definitive answer for you for. I like to think it would be the Lakers, but I, I mean, the, the, the Bucks have the best player in the world right now. So it would be the battle of the, the, the last two best players in the world from the last decade. So I would, that would be, I would love that finals matchup. That's a dream scenario, but that would be I, awesome. to be, to be seen. Yeah. I think, you know, looking at a Lakers Bucks NBA finals, I think that would probably be one of the best we've seen, I think, since the Cavs warriors, mm-hmm. because you have two top figureheads in the NBA going at it one with a younger team who has a little bit of playoff experience um, but still a decent amount versus a team that is full of veterans that fully have championships or playoff experience that have been in these types of situations it's kind of like the new against the old how it's going to clash together would be awesome to watch that could go six seven and that could and that would be amazing to watch which I think would be fun in the end and have to give it to the youth and the young guys kind of, you know, going through, but yet again, old heads know how to play basketball, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to put up a nice fight. And I think it would be, I'll be awesome. I think ideally that's what everybody would want. And then of mm-hmm. course you could also see the argument for Nets Lakers, but I think with all the situation going on with Kyrie, nobody has them right now for a contender. Uh, maybe Eastern Conference Finals, but that's even pushing it, in my opinion. But yet again, I think either Finals would be awesome to watch. I, I would personally love to watch a Lakers-Bucks more than a Lakers-Bucks-Warriors, um, but either team, really great. 
Yeah, I pray for full health of our our NBA stars because that was mm-hmm. what we were kind of deprived of last last year with all the stars going down. Who knows where that Clippers Sun series would have ended up? Who knows where the the Nuggets uh, Sun series would have ended up uh, had they had Jamal Murray? I, I just if we get two healthy teams in the finals, whether whether it is the Lakers Bucks, whether it is the the Lakers Nets, or whoever it may be. Those those two series in particular would probably be the greatest we've one of the greatest we've ever seen. Oh, 100 percent. And speaking of greatest we've ever seen, NBA is in their 75th season. I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about how the NBA and basketball itself has evolved over that 75 years. And I think that there's the 75 players list. Um, I was just kind of looking at it, Max. Uh, Dwight Howard was snubbed from it. Clay Thompson was also snubbed from his Vince Carter, another name, not on the 75 greatest players of all time. Those are just kind of three big ones that I think a lot of people are talking about right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can make a case probably for Clay Thompson, uh, Vince Carter. I think the only thing that's holding him back is probably the ring. Um, Not being able to do that. Uh, Dwight Howard, he dominated the NBA in the mid two thousands. I think that he was absolutely amazing to watch. I could, little upset not to see him there but again you have to understand that like looking back at 75 years that's a long time of basketball and some greats have rolled through my opinion i think max this is going to be a fun kind of debate between you and i as the top five players of all time mm-hmm. um so if you do you want to start it off or do you want to yeah would know? you like me to go you want to go one one or you want me to go one through five and then you go one one through your five let's go one for one let's just keep okay. going Okay, you want to start at five or one? Five. Okay. At number five, I have Magic Johnson. Um, Best point guard ever. He was really one of the first perennial superstars we've seen in the NBA from Michigan State to the Lakers. And, I mean, he orchestrated what is known as the Showtime Lakers. And in every major point guard statistical category, he's in the mix in some facet of the game. And his influence has gone beyond – even his playing career at this point. And he was the first player that we've seen be able to play one through five positions. So I think I, with that being said, I think we have to put him in that in the top five. For me, number five, Kobe Bryant. Um, I think that he absolutely was amazing um, throughout his career. He has, I believe in my opinion, Kobe number eight, Kobe number 24, two separate hall of famers right there. That's how amazing he was. I think he dominated the game fully uh, from an aspect of that where he really changed the game of basketball. He was so athletic that he could play multiple positions. He was a shooting guard. You could see him as a point guard. You could see him as a forward as well. Um, and I think that he just absolutely was amazing to watch as much as, you know, I like to root for the Celtics back in the mid-2000s. He just kept dominating them over and over year after year. I think him and Shaq was a prime sure duo as well. I mean – that's why I think he's in my top five. Oh, dude, you struck a nerve. You struck a nerve because there's – I'll get to it when we get later down in the list, oh, but yeah. I, I can't – I figured. I knew – and I know you, Max, and I, I knew what you, I think where you're going to, but we're going to get that, I think, later. Oh, dude, it's just like if you don't have this particular, like in some interchangeable order in your top three, I just – I'll get into it in a minute. Let me, <laughs> let me get through number four first, which is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. All-time leading scorer, probably the best big we've ever seen in the league. 
Shaq would like to argue that a little bit. I don't think is as arguable as he thinks it is. But um, for the era that he played in, for as well as he played in it, uh, Kareem Abdul has got to be in your top five in some way, shape, or form. Um, I I don't see the case for him out inside of four, but I mean I I, I can understand given that he's all time scoring leader that he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's five ranks that he has four or five. Um, and just his his unstoppable post game uh, is iconic as far as the NBA uh, landscape is concerned. And for me, number four, I'm gonna have to go with Will Chamberlain. I think that this might be a pick that might a lot of people might not agree on because of how the era that Will played in, and that's why he dominated. But looking back at it now, is that you don't see anybody else put up numbers like Will ever did. I think he absolutely dominated the post. Uh, he was a low scorer. He loved to back down people. I think watching him play is that he would block everybody that was in sight that tried to shoot on him. I mean, there's just games where he had had 10 plus blocks, 10 plus rebounds, 10 plus, you know, everything. And I mean, of course he has the most points in, I mean, I mean, most points scored in the game. I mean, arguably Kobe Bryant did too, but that was on TV. We don't even know if Will did it. I think that's a case of why maybe people might not have him inside the top five. But I think for me, though, Will Chamberlain just was a game changer and you will never see anything like that again. Yeah, I didn't put anybody from that era in my top five for the reason that you mentioned. It's kind of hard to differentiate the the talent between that era and to now, mm-hmm. especially with the the assortment of talent that we have in today's NBA uh, versus the talent that was in in that that era where obviously he was a man amongst boys, but I do understand the case. Um, so this is where I would like to bring up where you struck a nerve was how in the world can you, as a person that covers basketball and a person that watches the <laughs> NBA as closely, if not more closely than I do, have anybody outside of your top three than MJ LeBron Kobe? They're interchangeable within those three, but how is that not your top three? How? Listen, listen, I, I like Kobe, but I think for me, and he's a great player, all-time great player. But I, I don't know. I just feel like that, and my number three is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, for many of the reasons that you said. It's absolutely amazing. Changed the game of basketball, especially in that era that he played in. Um, one of the most iconic, you know, moves in basketball comes from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But I can see your case with Kobe for top three. And I know it's it's it's... It's hard. It's very hard making a top five list when you have so many different errors to go from. But I mean, I just think for me, Kareem just was unstoppable in his time. And that's why he's probably in that number three. But I can see Kobe in there, too. And listen, like that's it's going to change. Top five player list is going to change. And listen, I know, Max, you want me to change it right now, but it's it's set in stone for what I have. I'm sorry, dude. I know I can see your reaction. I would just like to show you the Twitter thread of the people that can't have conversations with people that watch basketball that have anything other than that as their top three. I would like to show you that Twitter thread because it's quite a lengthy one. But um, you might have some outrage who I have who I have at number three. Um, and understandably so, I will make the case as I go further down my list. But at number three, I have Michael Jordan. Oh. I have Michael. <laughs> no I have way. Michael Jordan. 
I have Michael Jordan. The reason being was that his longevity was not near the two guys that I have above him. And although his influence and his accolades are unmatched among any any other NBA star that we've come across since or before, the the longevity is really an important factor for me. And in a lot of all-time leaderboards, as far as points, rebounds, and assists are concerned, he is beat out by the two guys that I have above him. Mm-hmm. And so for that, I, I had to put him at three. Uh, I could see where the outrage comes from, and I'm willing to take all of it. But I would like to plead my case a little more as my list goes down. But I, I understand where everybody's coming from and where everyone will come at my neck for it. So please feel free to reach out to me. I'll have, be happy to talk, talk to any of you guys that disagree, and I will understand where you're coming from completely. But right now, uh, since Kobe's retired, Michael Jordan has been my second and now third uh, in my all-time rankings. Steep breaths right now. Okay, so my number, right? Yeah, my number two, LeBron James. Um, for... I guess the reason is that I don't know. I think it's, it's really interchangeable. I've been, I've always been an MJ kind of guy, always really respected his game. But as I keep watching LeBron play more and more years, I'm like, damn, he might be up there as one of the top players of all time. Um, Again, it could be a one, a one B situation, but I think in reality, there cannot be a 1A, 1B. There has to be a 1A, be a 2, right. in my opinion. So that's right. why LeBron is that too. He's absolutely amazing. I think he easily could pass Kareem as the all-time scoring leader. I think it's going to happen. Um, I think so. I, or is it? No, I don't know. I, but he's, he's up there he's as one of the – About 3,000 points out, uh, LeBron is from Kareem's mm. record, which could – could he could hit within the next two years? I, I think is the projection. Okay, so if he plays at a same level, but I think for me, LeBron, he hasn't really fallen off. Really, he hasn't really like kind of went downhill in his playing career. I think last year was just kind of hard with injuries, but I think now if he keeps playing well, he will be able to surpass that. And listen, I think LeBron's great, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just an MJ guy. I, I stand MJ. And I, I'm not going to say it's because of rings. It's definitely not because of rings. I mean, there's a case for why. But at the end, if we were talking about rings, Bill Russell would be number one. Mm-hmm. And that's right. just not the case I'm going to make. I'm not one of those guys who's going to be like, MJ has six rings. LeBron has, what, four, five. And then, you know what I mean? So um, that's not my case. Um, I just think MJ I – mean, I'll go into it. So you go to your number two right now. Yeah, my number two is Kobe Bryant. Um, he is above MJ mm-hmm. uh, for these following reasons. Um, so take out the first two years of his career where he was kind of a rotational guy, not really seen as the player that he was that he ended up being. Um, so you take out those uh, first two years. They have essentially the same stat line. Jordan has 36 and five. Kobe has 29, five and six as career statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, and that very similar. And I think Kobe played in a different era and he had to make a lot more adjustments as his career went on due to injury and due to just age that he did, uh, more smoothly than anybody else in the history of, uh, in the history of basketball, in my opinion, he started as a high flyer, as a slasher, 
not really didn't really play with the outside shot as much um just kind of was known for his high flying antics and the his showmanship and as he went as he transitioned from the post shack era you saw him add probably the best post scoring guard uh combinations and moves that we've ever seen from a guy at his position he um is also top 10 in all time i think he's top five even in top uh all time three pointers uh percentage and made um and not only that but he also developed the ability to become one of the best passers ever he's in top 30 of of the all-time assist ranks which michael jordan is not he is higher in all time in points assists and he's the best rebounding guard ever and not only that but he was a better on-ball defender than mj was and he was just as clutch if not more clutch than him so i think all of those factors factored in with the fact that he also has five rings and two of them are without Shaq on his on his own mm-hmm. by himself. And he never really like he he didn't have a guy by his side his entire career, which I think takes a lot away from where what MJ ranks as far as I'm concerned, because he always had Scotty all six of those championships. He always had him and he had seasons where he had early playoff exits that like before Scotty came along that changed everything. And once Shaq left, I mean, yeah, those were the, there were regression years, but he bounced back and was able to win two rings on his own. So I do have Kobe at my number two as a result of those following uh, factors. Yeah, I can definitely see it. When I look at Kobe, I see MJ and him and I see MJ, I see Kobe. Um, I think those two players, I mean, you look at those videos, of the, the, you know, have you seen those mashup videos of like, MJ doing a fadeaway and Kobe doing the same exact move. I think that was like really how influential MJ was. And that's why for me, number one is Michael Jordan, in my opinion. I think that, yes, of course he has six rings. He has everything. He's undefeated in the finals. But other than that, I think MJ changed the game of basketball. I think he made it more of a game where Instead, it was very simple. It was a very simple, fundamental game of basketball. But MJ added that extra spice, extra flair to it where, you know, the Showtime Lakers really couldn't do, but MJ just did a little bit better. I think the way he just kind of changed the game of basketball in that sense. But then he also stopped. He won three, went to play baseball, was awful at baseball, went back to basketball, won another three. And that to me is like, this guy played another sport and then didn't do well, but then came back changed his body. And I think, you know, when we talk about baseball, Max, you're a baseball player, you used to play, and you know that there's different workouts from playing baseball than playing basketball. And mm-hmm. MJ, after those three first rings he won, he changed his workout routine. He ended up doing different types of things in workouts to change his body. Um, I mean, you could, of course, your shot will always be there. You'll always have that rhythm down, but you have a baseball swing and everything like that, you're kind of just changing it and your muscle memory is going to become different over the years. And I think then transitioning back into basketball after his baseball career, it's that he had to work more on his shoulders. He had to work more on different parts of the body where he wouldn't work in baseball. And that's very hard to kind of come back from, especially as a multi-sport athlete. And I mean, he tried to be like Bo and, or, and like Shoeless Joe Jackson. Like he tried to be like these great players that he thought he could be with, or even just playing multiple sports, but he, he didn't do it well enough. 
I think that's why him coming back to basketball after the fact, then winning another three, I think you, I don't, anybody else, nobody else will be able to do that, taking that kind of few year break. Yeah. Um, and as I said, these three guys are very interchangeable. There's a case to be made that either one of those three guys is the GOAT. Um, obviously, MJ is the most popular pick and has been forever. I think people are kind of uh, opposed to change as far as that is concerned mm-hmm. with people that grew up in that era and watched him and then is watching today's NBA and everyone says it's a different game. I just agree to a point. But um, but the guy that I have in my number one spot is LeBron. Um, I think he passed MJ after the 2020 season. I did not have that before that. But he has arguably – and I don't think it's arguable in my mind, but people like to argue me, argue mm-hmm. with me about it. He has the two most difficult championships in NBA history. He came back from three one, and yeah, he had to difficult. recover from a hiatus, which has never been done anywhere, yeah. and come back and still be in tip top shape, ready to make a championship run, and did so rather swimmingly at the age of thirty six. So. When when that something such as that happens, you have to take take a step back and realize what this guy's body of work is and what it was before that season. And before that season, I mean, he had eight straight appearances to the finals. He led he leads almost all final categories as far as scoring is concerned, as far as games played, all of that. Not only that, but the, the longevity of which he was doing it. This guy was drafted at first overall in 2003, and he's still a top three player in the world, although some people may say that he's two or one at this point in time. I'm not one of those people, but I would like to be, and I think mm-hmm. that he will change my mind as the stretch of the season comes along. Um, but, yeah, so he was drafted in 2003. He's going to be 37 in December, I believe. And we've kind of seen the Tom Brady effect as much as I hate to compare them the two. Oh. As much as I hate to compare the two, they we've kind of seen them be a force at every level of the game as the game has evolved around them, no matter what has been has has been thrown their way. And so with their longevity, with his accolades, and he's about to pass Kareem as the all-time leading scorer by the time he retires, most likely, unless some freak injury happens, which I mm-hmm. pray doesn't, because I would love to see him do that. Um, I believe that he cemented himself as the greatest of all time by those two championships, his accolades, his finals runs, and his longevity. I think those factors make him the greatest, not to mention his physique and where where he was projected or what he was projected to be coming out of high school. he We've never seen a player like LeBron. I don't think we'll ever see a player like LeBron again. And so I think that's where he sets himself apart. I, I totally understand that. And with me, I think that watching LeBron play, it's like I'm sitting there watching him and he's just dropping buckets, doing his thing. And I'm like, damn, I'm really watching like one of the best do it. Like you and I, we'd never had the opportunity to see Michael Jordan play. We just see highlights on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We, we don't see full, you know, four quarter games. We, we just see a quick 10 minute video. And this is what we, this is what we're presented ourselves with as the greatest of all time. And I can totally understand that. I think years down the road, it's going to be like, it's LeBron. The, the more LeBron keeps playing, the more it's probably going to be LeBron as the greatest player, because you're right. He, he does have those eight finals appearances. He does have all these accolades in the finals. 
and it, it, you, you make a compelling case of why, but to, I don't know. Like one day I'm going to tell my kids one day I saw LeBron James play and maybe, and then for them, it's going to be somebody else that's like, instead of MJ and LeBron, it's more going to be this future player and LeBron. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's kind of crazy that we are witnessing this in person as those who watched MJ witness it in person. Cause we, again, these are two guys that have people have never seen before play. And that it's just absolutely mind boggling on how they do it. And it's like, wow, I wish I was like MJ. I wish I was like LeBron. So of mm -hmm. course I think that's why it's one, a one B, but years down the road, it's going to be a definite one, definite two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally agree. I think that one, a one B and in my case, one C is very, mm -hmm is very prominent and I think you can't take anything away from what those players have accomplished over the course of their career. Um, I find it hard to believe that people like to diminish Kobe the way that they did because of the one MVP thing when we both know Steve Nash doesn't deserve two MVPs um, and that he had a compelling case to win maybe. Oh, he easily should have. He easily should have. One more outside of the two that Steve Nash took away from him. So I think that, and then the LeBron, his one blemish, obviously being his finals record, I would like to present to you the, the Golden State Warriors and Kevin Durant yeah, yeah. and how that affected his record. Um, also, I would like to uh, take you guys back to 2015 when he had no Kyrie or Kevin Love and Matthew Delvadova was their second leading scorer. So I think those blemishes can be bandaged, but... Um, but yeah, I think 1A through 1C, I think there's a very, very interchangeable case that either one of those players can be considered the GOAT. And, that, and, and that's the thing that's so hard. Right. And, that's, and that's what's so hard in the on a list like this is that you have thousands of players coming in and out and year after year, it's just like, who's going to be the next Michael Jordan? Who's going to be the next LeBron? Nowadays, people are like, who's going to be an next LeBron? Everyone said Ben Simmons, which is absolutely terrible to say. That was the most blasphemous take that anybody has ever oh, had. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, and that, that was bad. And then, you know, same with Andrew Wiggins as well. This is going to be the next LeBron. Right. You, and the thing is, is nobody's going to be the next LeBron. Nobody's going to be the next Michael Jordan because you're not them. The closest we'll ever get to Michael Jordan was Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. Easily, hands down, that's what it was but we're not going to get another player like that. Tatum's trying to be like Kobe, but it's not working out for him. He's always trying to have the ball in his hands at the last second to shoot that last shot. We saw yes. it when they lost to the Knicks uh, on their first game is that he wanted the ball in his hands and he could not capitalize. Well, guess what? Kobe could. And that's what's going to separate players like that who are wannabes than who they really are. And I think players should just focus on being themselves instead of trying to look up to one of the greats like Kobe, MJ, LeBron. Right. I'm curious. Um, I, I want to ask you, what was your deciphering factors when, when making your list? Like what, what did you, what did you think ranked above the other? Like what set MJ and LeBron yeah. apart? Um, I yeah. think for me, it's what they played in and how they dominated that era uh, for MJ. That era of basketball is tough, physical. I mean, that was very hard to play. And we look at MJ, I think, in the last dance when he was going up for a layup, we saw him just absolutely get clotheslined down to the ground. And it was just a common foul back in the day is that's what it would have been. And mm -hmm. he played through the, um, a lot of tough players and a lot of greats. Um, you look at Kareem and Wilt on how they just changed the game of basketball as a whole as of like one of the – biggest impacts on the game of modernizing the game of basketball they play without a three-point line so it's generally 
paint dominated. And that's exactly what they did. And I think that's how we have a modern day of basketball is because you couldn't stop players like Wilt and Kareem in the paint. So how are we going to expand outside of just, you know, two pointers? So they added that three point line to make it a little bit more difficult for teams. Now we have players like Steph, you know, like who and Clay and Trey, who are just shooting absolutely unbelievable from beyond the arc. So what are they going to do now to make it even harder for teams? So I think that's why. Uh, for me, that's that my list is the eras. I mean, Kobe Bryant as well. He's he played in a tough era of big three. He played a little bit in the 90s where it was he played against a later MJ, but still yet again dominated as a rookie coming in out of high school. Absolutely just playing amazing. He's one of the best high school to college players. And then LeBron came along as well. But to me, the list is just how they changed the game of basketball and what the era and how they dominated in it. Yeah. For me, I'm, I'm a big person that believes that statistics don't lie. And mm-hmm. when you look at all-time points, all-time rebounds, all-time three-point shooting, they're, the guys that I had ranked were, were ranked accordingly. Um, and so when you look at things like accolades um, or even rings in the case of LeBron, where he made the finals eight straight times and then you know obviously won three of those or f- four of those in that stretch, mm-hmm um that there there are factors in there like voter fatigue like super teams that kind of take away from the the individual basketball player that they are and so with lebron he's a six eight small forward that can do anything on the floor can guard one through five that could jump out of the gym that has developed the three-point shot better and better every year and so the same thing with kobe he he did the same sort of thing and he's in those same statistical categories. So I am a big person that believes that voter fatigue is a real thing. I'm a big person that believes that super teams have taken over the league over the last decade or so. And I think MJ didn't really have to deal with that. I think every in MJ's era, everything was MJ. Like MJ was the league. And now we kind of see that, that popularity scattered a little more around. I think LeBron more than most, but I mean, obviously, you still want to sprinkle those those other guys and those complimentary guys in. So I think that and the eras are so different. And the NBA, as far as talent is concerned, is so much better today than it has ever oh, been. Yeah. And Michael Jordan, yeah, Michael Jordan's played finals appearances against plumbers and and carpenters and what have you. And I don't think Kobe and LeBron ever had to deal with that. So I I put I. I put those guys above them for that reason. And I, I think I put them kind of accordingly to what I saw as far as that was concerned. Yeah, definitely. There's so much more to really unpack when it comes down to these lists. And I think that would be like perfect for, I believe another episode is how we can really dive deeper into super teams and stuff like that. So um, on behalf of Max Adams, I'm George Hathaway and this was the locker room talk podcast. Make sure to like, and subscribe. And definitely follow us on all of our social medias. Uh, Thank you for tuning in and have a great day.